took a big chunk off me. Bleeding. It's bleeding. I know it's bleeding. The thing just ripped me ear off. What do you think? Hello and welcome to Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast. As usual, plenty to babble on about for the next half hour or so. So let's get straight to it with Steve-O, who's waiting for us in Australia. And Steve-O, a bit of, well, a lot of sad news, actually, uh, this week at the passing of uh, His Royal Highness, the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, on Friday. A long-standing royal link with Rugby League. It's gone. Very, very sad, isn't it? Yeah, and he was a great man, uh, I must say, and uh, the Queen obviously will, will miss him, and a lot of people all over the world will miss him. He, he did so much for charities and the, the work that he did with the, the Duke of Edinburgh Awards and everything. And, of course, he attended the Challenge Cup final at Wembley, you know, on six occasions, and he presented the trophy to Bradford, who won the Cup in 1949. And there's a lovely photo of him presenting the cup to the man of the match that day, Ernest Ward, the captain of Bradford. They beat Halifax 12-0. So he will be missed by the rugby league fans, the rugby league people, anybody connected with our sport, and it's a sad day. It is a really sad time, and of course uh, his his funeral this weekend on, on Saturday. A little bit... Um, Closer to now, he entertained the All Goals of Buckingham Palace in 2007 as well. And he came up north to the Lee Sports Village opening in 2009. Um, so, you know, a real friend of rugby league by the sound of things. Yes, and as I say again, he will be sadly missed. It's, um, but he had a good innings. I think you and I would be quite happy to w- make it well into the 90s. Never mind, 99. You're right. You're closer to that than me, I must tell everybody. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, knew that, I knew that was coming. Here we go. Listen, you were <laughs> awarded the MBE, of course. You went down to the palace. Did you actually meet him? I know you shook hands with the Queen and, and, and bowed in front of the Queen, but did you, did you see the Duke on that occasion? Uh, no, I'm afraid not, but uh, it was a wonderful standing, wasn't it, to meet the Queen? It was a wonderful day and a very, very proud day for me, and not only just for me, but the fact it was because of Sky Television, because it was also part of my media work, as well as the fact that I opened the, the Rugby League Museum, and most of all because I actually played the game of Rugby League. And uh, I was very, very thankful. And what a great occasion for me to meet the Queen. I said, hello, Lizzie. I'm not so sure <laughs> she was interested in that. <laughs> it was, It was a great day. I'm sure it was, and I'm sure you weren't as disrespectful as that. I know you only too well. You would have, you would almost have been on your knees. I can tell everybody that. I'm sure. Well, I'm, I'm, I've got to say, Eddie, I, I'm a royalist. Uh, I know you are. I, I, I think, I, I think that the uh, the royals have done a great, a great service to our country. Okay, there's been a few hiccups on the way. <laughs> uh, some of the, uh, some of the children perhaps haven't, haven't done as much as what the Duke of Edinburgh did and, of course, our lovely Queen. Right, let's uh, move on from that uh, and talk now about the Challenge Cup. Where's the romance gone, Steve-O, in the Challenge Cup? There don't seem to be any shocks anymore. Are the days 
of the little clubs beating the big fellas? Are they over? I think you'd have to say so, yes. Because the when it was introduced to Super League and they went full-time, it was always going to be a danger that the fact that uh, those, shall we say, semi-professional teams wouldn't have the strength to be able to do that. And I think that the gap is widening. And if you look at the score lines over the, the Challenge Cup last weekend, uh, it's quite obvious that uh, it's going to be very rare to have an upset. It is. I mean, strangely, the biggest win for a, a Super League club over a championship club came in the Salford Witness match. Now, Witness were, of course, being touted as possible replacements for Toronto in Super League this year. They got absolutely battered, 68 points to four. Um, you know, that was that was not a great day for Witness, but Salford perhaps can get themselves back on track. Well, it's been a poor start for them, especially with uh, the new coach. So that was a pleasing aspect. At least he's got one victory underneath his belt. And and look, Salford has still got some very, very good players. Uh, it'll take a while for to get used to the same uh, difference, should I say, in regards to the new coach. But um, I am adamant, Eddie. Saints are going to be odds-on <laughs> to win it. I, I keep saying it. Though it was a great effort from Leeds. So many injured players. And to yes. be able to push them, I mean, 26-18, that was an, a fantastic scoreline. And it, it must have given Agar a wonderful boost in regards to the fact so many people injured and that they kept the St. Helens side to just eight points. Wonderful effort. Great effort. Uh, but you're right, Leeds... 10 first-teamers out missing at the weekend. Kyle Eastman didn't play. Where is he? What's happened to Kyle Eastman, do you think? Surely he, he should be ready now with a, an injury crisis like this. Well, it's hard to say. Uh, is it because he, he, he's carrying an injury or is it because he's not, not fit? It's the same at Warrington. You know, where's English? Where Where's he come from? Where, is he just on the sidelines? Everybody's waiting to see the superstar. And I'm afraid the star seems to be disappearing behind the moon. Well, he does. I mean, Stephen Price is always asked at the end of every game, will he play next week? And he always keeps his cards very close to his chest. I mean, just back to the Leeds situation for a moment. Uh, two second rowers in the halves against St. Helens in the Cup. You're right, they, they, they did go close. But where are the, where are the sixes and sevens? Where are the young kids coming through? Is that a major problem for the game? Yeah, of course it is. I've been saying it for years. All this uh, amount of money that's been given to the, the professional clubs and they just don't seem to understand that the amateur game is need of a lot of finance, especially with the pandemic. All the clubs, all the amateur clubs, they are struggling to keep, keep going. It's not easy for them. But the most important thing is that when Super League broke away from the RFL, I was always wondering, are they connected to their local teams, their local amateur teams? And to be quite fair, I don't think they are. I think they're just concentrating on, okay, we need, we need a halfback, we need a centre. And it's as though they want to go down to Australia or New Zealand without having to go to the junior development. And I've said it before, you know, rugby league has got a habit of just looking at the top of the iceberg and forgetting about 
all that's underneath the water. We need more support for our amateur game. So many amateur clubs have gone bust. Simple as that. Now, without them, you'll get rugby union taking over at the schools. We don't want that. We don't want other sports, football, to be taken up and forgotten about rugby league. They're a forgotten identity, the amateurs. I think you're right generally. I think the, the open age competition is going to continue. In fact, I'm sure it is. But it's what is underneath the open age, the under 8s, 9s, 10s, 12s, 14s, 15s, 16s. That, that's where the problem is. Now, the Rugby League got this grant, didn't they, the other week? We talked about it. Was it £16 million or something to, to try and yep. prop up the local, the local game at local level? The money's there, Steve-O, surely. Well, but who's in charge of it? Who's going to farm it out? As far as I'm concerned, I reckon a few of the other clubs, the professional clubs, semi-professional clubs, they'll be thinking, whoopee, we might get a bit of a bonus to get over the hump. But it's the amateur teams that need a lot of a bonus to get over the hump because there are teams who are folding. We've got to stop this and get on with it. And the percentage of all the, all the television money there should be a percentage goes directly to the amateur level. Well, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but what you're talking about maybe should have been done, what, 25, 26 years ago, and it never was, I don't think, which is, which is well, a shame. Uh, the, the thing is, Eddie, we, years ago, we, we had someone who was in actual control of development of the youngsters. We had a special personality there to look after it. And then we had so many coaches, regional coaches, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, we didn't reach the, shall we say, the target that we needed to ensure that the government continued putting that money in. And we all know what happened then. When that went, all the so-called area coaches, they disappeared, including the man that was supposedly in charge. We haven't done anything since. Let's go back to the field of play. Uh, you're making some very good points, by the way, this week. Let's go back to the field of play. Um, Gareth O'Brien. Now, four years ago for Salford, he knocked over the drop goal in the million-pound match at Hulkingston Rovers. And the same again in the Cup this weekend for Castleford at Hulkingston Rovers in the fourth golden point period <laughs> Of the match. Gareth O'Brien must haunt whole KR, mustn't he? He certainly does. And and all, all I can say is that he's a quality player. A quality player. And it just gives the ability of either team, when it gets so close, level pegging that one point. It's marvellous. I think it's fantastic. A lot of people wanted to get rid of it. Though, amazingly, last week in Australia... We had our first two-point drop goal. Yes, I saw that. I saw that. And you're not a fan of that, are you? You think it should be one? Just one. Yeah, simple yeah. as that. Well, Gareth O'Brien, he's a hero now. He was at Salford. He's now a hero at Castleford. It gets them through to the quarterfinals. There's going to be two doubleheaders. Uh, one doubleheader on the BBC one day and Sky are taking the other two the next day. Now, that means that Catalan must travel Again, they have got a home, in quote marks, tie against Warrington, but they're going to have to come across here and play that. We said last week, though, the travel sickness isn't affecting them, the Catalan Dragons at the moment. Sam Tompkins and company, brilliant. 
Yeah, well, we mentioned it last week, didn't we, in regards to the fact that uh, last season they were all over the shop. And perhaps mentally they were saying, oh, we've got to travel, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. And now they've just said, well, we've got to put up with it. Let's get on with it. In, in many cases, it's a little bit like the New Zealand Warriors. They had to play all last season. They had to actually camp in Australia to play their games. And that was extremely difficult. And it, it's the same now for the Catalan Dragons. And they say, hey, roll the sleeves up. But how important is it when one of your best players, who was a little bit indifferent last year, Sam Tompkins, he is bouncing, bouncing. And I think that one of the main reasons is that he realizes that he knows the new England coach. Sean Wayne knows exactly what that man can do for any team. And he's saying to himself, well, I know the coach. If I play well, then I want to be there in that World Cup team. And I think he will be. Well, Sean Wayne actually hinted at the weekend that he was a guest in the studio on TV. And he sort of hinted, he, he virtually said that, you know, Sam Tompkins playing so well, uh, it'll take something to shift him from that number one spot for England. I'm paraphrasing. It was something like that. Yeah, and you've got to look at, at, at Connor at Hull. I mean, he's reveling in the fact that uh, he's playing at full back. I mean, over the season, the few seasons, you know, Connor's been all over the place. So he surely has to go as well because he's such a great utility player. And you need utility players in case of an injury, especially when it comes to a World Cup series. You do. Right, we talked about Catalan and their lack of travel sickness. And another note about travel, Toulouse. They're a bit upset with uh, the London Broncos, Steve-O, for refusing to travel to the south of France for one of the championship matches coming up in a couple of weeks' time. The RFL have awarded the game 24-0 to Toulouse, so that's some consolation for them. But Toulouse are making the point. It's bad publicity. It looks wrong. London should have travelled. I know you're very close to David Hughes, and I know you're very close to the London Broncos. They're your team when you're over here. What's your view on this? Quite simple. You always want to be treated fairly. The same across the board. And I'm afraid just because the government has indicated that if you are full-time, then you have to fulfill your commitments. And I take great pride in David Hughes saying, no, we are not being treated fairly. We are not being treated equally. So therefore, we'll give up the game, 24-0. And yet, Toulouse make the point it's only a short hop across the channel. You know, they would probably be on a plane shorter length of time than they are in a coach coming up to, I don't know, one of the clubs in the north of England. Uh, and they, I, they believe the publicity is bad in the south of France. It's not what we want. In regards to the fact of the publicity, no, it's not what we want. But you cannot change rules in regards to running a competition where one team or two teams are being treated completely different from the rest. It's a simple equation. If you're playing in one division, you all should have the same rules. So you would be happy if all the other teams in the championship were also told they've got to go to Toulouse to play. You would be happy with that? Yes, it's equal. OK. There will be some people, of course, who say, well, if, if that's the view, why do you bother having Toulouse in the competition then? Why not kick them out? It's only because of the pandemic that we're talking about this situation. Yeah, you no. know, to come to, to come back and to be put in, in isolation, 
just because you're classified as professional, then it, it won't take into account. But let's also look at the other aspect. It's rife in France at the moment. We've got to be very, very careful whether Toulouse should be coming in and out quickly or do they keep, they have to keep uh, well away from everyone else. And I can't, I can't understand why people are saying, you know, it, oh, it's wrong for London to be doing this. But when you think about it, <clears throat> you've got to try to keep your own players away from catching the pandemic. Let me just be the devil's advocate about this Toulouse business. If Catalan are flying in every week, Steve, what's the difference? There isn't. No difference whatsoever. But it's equality that we're looking at. Simple equality. You can't get away from that. In the yeah, championship, if, it's equality. Yeah. If, if you're not being treated the same, it's as though, Eddie, that we both worked at Sky Television, and I know you got paid a lot more money than I did. <laughs> Simple as that. There was this, and we should have added equality there. And I've complained many, many times for them to, <laughs> but, yeah. to, to, increase, to increase my salary and bring it up to yours. Listen, I, I will send you my tax returns for the last 10 years, and I bet I bet I would I would be delighted to be a penny behind you at the bank. Let me tell you that. Let me tell you that. Are you okay. trying to tell me that I pay more tax than you? D no, because you're living half the time in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's not... I still have to I still have to pay tax on everything that I earned in England. Quite right too. Quite right too. Yeah. We we've got bins to be emptied. We've got bins to be emptied and buses well, to Well, I'll put it this way. I could never afford a Jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, this week's fixtures now. I was lucky. To, I was lucky if I got a mini miner. <laughs> You're lucky if you got a bike. Uh, this week's fixtures <laughs> now. Okay, um, first real heavyweight clash of the season. Uh, but we've mentioned Leeds with all the problems, to all the ten out last weekend. They play Wigan this weekend. I mean, Leeds Wigan. It's a it's a standout fixture, no matter what season we're talking about, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that uh, the way that Wigan disposed of uh, York 26-0 uh, gives them confidence. Though, I must say, York York played uh, quite well. It, they, their defence for a, a long, long period was good. Uh, Wigan were always going to be favourites to do that. Uh, and against Leeds, as I say, uh, uh, Agar will be, will be quite confident. What they've got to do is, is get into this Wigan pack very, very quickly. Now, we saw that in the first round. Remember Lee? Lee really got into him, and it, it caused a bit of a sensation. There are ways and means to stop the top teams, but you've got to make sure that the forward pack that you're against does not take the advantage, get over the advantage line, the kick-and-chase game. You've got to try to force them back. And we can have a habit sometimes, if they're a little bit wobbly, they can be caught napping. They can, and the good news for Leeds as well is that Mikolai Oledsky and Cruz Leeming have been called into Sean Wayne's train-on squad uh, for England, where there's been about four changes, a couple of youngsters, but these two headline acts. And Mikolai Oledsky, well, he's pulling up the trees, isn't he, at the minute? He really is. One of my mates says you need two knucklers in the forwards and a schemer. I think he classed you as a schemer because you played hooker. But he said you need two knucklers to really have a go. And Oledsky fits that bill. <laughs> well, and it wouldn't surprise me if that uh, you throw Warnsley in with him 
And that's a pretty good front row. But the biggest question to be asked is, which hooker are they going to select? He's already got Roby down there. He's got all the experience. There's Clark. Uh, there's the Man of Steel. Uh, it's not going to be easy for the no. England coach to to separate them because you can only have four on the bench. Though good yeah. hookers these days can drop into the scrum half position. Well, it's they can. virtually yeah. It, it's not a hooker. I don't know why they call them hookers any day uh, now because uh, you don't have to hook the ball. All the, they pass the ball through the feet to the loose forward. So it's an old name. But in effect, and it has been for a long, long time, is that the number nine and the number seven, they're two halfbacks. Yeah, they run the game in many ways, don't they? Those two and the, and the number six. Um, yep. You've also got Josh Hodgson down there playing for Canberra and playing really well as well. So he has an embarrassment of riches at number nine. I wish we had the same embarrassment in all the other positions. Fullback, yes. perhaps, as, uh, as we've discussed. We've got, uh, you know, Connor who's playing very, very well. Evels is playing exceptionally well. So I think he's got a few problems in trying to dissect which one of the three or four, fullback, halfback, is going to select. It's, uh, it's not going to be easy for him. But uh, the one thing I do like about Sean Wayne, he has made it quite clear that if someone is playing out of their skin throughout the season and it's coming up to... Uh, the end of the the regular season, he will be selecting the one that is in top form. Simple as that. There's no time to say, well, I've got a few favourites. You can't have favourites when it comes down to going into a World Cup. You've got to play the players who are in top form, not on past history. Then, now, select. Well, I'm sure Sean will be watching closely uh, this week's programme. As we said, Leeds, Wigan, there's Castleford, Lee, uh, Hull KR, Huddersfield Giants. That's interesting because they need to get off the mark, both of those two. Saints, Wakefield. And the other eye-catching um, fixture, Steve-O, Hull against the Warrington Wolves. Uh, this, is, this is a big test for both and we'll know a bit more maybe about Hull uh, at the end of it. Yeah, well, I think the new coach has had uh, quite a lot to do with it as well. He's it's, it's a very, very relaxed character. Um, Hull have always had a tendency to get a little bit, um, shall we say, over the top very early in the game. This guy has pulled them back, take it nice and steady, slowly build up. He's got the defence working, which quite often over the years, Hull, with ball in hand, can be outstanding. In defence... They can fall apart. But I don't think you'll see that this season because of the new coach. Talking of new coaches, Daryl Powell confirmed in the last week as the Warrington coach. I remember asking you two weeks ago if he was going to go to Warrington. Emphatic answer from you. No, he isn't. Well, he's gone. Um, there also, <laughs> <laughs> there's also, there's also rumours now linking Andrew Henderson, uh, the Warrington assistant coach, uh, to go to replace Daryl Powell at Castleford. But Warrington also allegedly showing great interest in Jake Truman and Peter Matautia. Now, if Warrington are allowed to sign Powell as the coach and maybe Ryan Sheridan being tipped to come across the Pennines as well as his assistant, and Truman and Matautia, well, Castleford are going to be really up against it, aren't they? Because the great John Wells is also leaving. 
he's leaving as the um, the director of rugby at the end of next month. So it's all change at Cass. Uh, well, it's certainly not good good for the Tiger fans. They must be wondering, you know, what on earth is going wrong? Uh, I, I, I've always had a little bit of scepticism in regards to the fact that you you have a gentleman there, uh, director of rugby. Mm. Um, it, it's never seemed to sit on my shoulders. And I'm thinking to myself, Director of rugby, surely the coach should be the person doing that. To be fair to Wellesley, I think he would be the man who would have to sort of carry the can as far as the, the directors are concerned and negotiate the contract with him and make sure the coach might sign, you know, sign anybody on X hundred thousand pound a year. The director of rugby's job is to make sure that they're not facing bankruptcy when the coach has had his say. I would I would think that's the generally the director of rugby's role. Um Aussie news, Steve-O, what's, what's happening down there? You've already said a, a two-point drop goal. We've just seen the first one in the NRL. Yeah, well, the big news here is that John Morris, the coach of Cronulla, has been told today to leave the club immediately. Wow. They've announced that Craig Fitzgibbon, who is the assistant coach at the Sydney Roosters, has signed a three-year deal. It's also suggested that a man called Canarans Siraldo, who is the assistant coach of Penrith, he's a big defensive coach, and he looks as though he's also signed uh, for the Cronulla side. Now, this has been an absolute disgrace as far as I'm concerned in regards to the fact that John Morris has been given the boot after he's got them to two playoffs in two seasons. They have been playing very, very well this season. And he met with the officials. And yesterday he said, it's up in the air. And today the balloon burst. You're gone. I'm just looking at the table. The Cronulla Sharks, all right, they're in the bottom half, but they're leading the bottom half of the table. They're only two points off the top eight. I mean, it's a cruel, right. cruel business, isn't it? Who would be a coach? Who would be a rugby league coach? Well, I tried it once, and yeah. it was probably it was probably the worst decision I've ever made in my life. Didn't they all walk out the players before you got there? No, 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 no. I was at, <laughs> listen. My my second season at uh, at Penrith, which is nineteen seventy five, they made me player coach. Boy, all the players that I played with the previous season, they were all friends, and within <laughs> the space of a few weeks, they were my enemy. <laughs> it was it was disaster, absolute disaster. And halfway through the season, I said, "I'm resigning. I just want to play." But that's life. Oh, you have a go that, at it. Is that because uh, you, no one was talking to you, Steve, or in the dressing room? Was that the problem? Oh, God love you. I don't, I don't think it was anything to do with talking <laughs> to me. It may be due to the fact that um, I. Some players weren't playing to what I expected, so I dropped them. And, of course, when you drop a player, he, he will never, ever forget that. It will, nope. go, it will go in his mind forever and ever. And then, of course, you've got your close friend who you've always played with. So he's against you. And then they might have another two friends. And it's a disaster. In fact, um, I don't know whether I still hold the record of the last ever player coach 
in Australia. Wow. Well, you know what they yeah. say about poachers turned gamekeepers? You know what they say? Uh, well, well, I'm not right sure whether it was a full shot or whether it was a bullet or, or whatever. <laughs> but, I, but either way, Eddie, it was painful. And was I glad to get back to the one thing that I wanted to do, and that was just play rugby league. Of course, the, the South Sydney saga still goes on about their captain, Adam Reynolds. Now, they will not give him an extension. They've given, offered him a one-year contract. And the reason why they've only given him a one-year contract, because in the past, they have signed long-term contracts and they've been caught out. Uh, one was Sam Burgess, who, after signing a, a long-term contract, suffered the bad injury to his shoulder and had to retire, which left Souths having to pay, shall we say, millions to fulfill the contract, which was part of the contract deal. So therefore, they do not want to get themselves burnt yet again. They've offered him one year, and Reynolds says, no, I want at least two seasons. And it's an amazing thing that South Sydney were very quick to get the veteran Benji Marshall over to play at South as a cover-up for Adam Reynolds. And today, they've offered Benji Marshall an extended contract. So that means, as far as I'm concerned, that South's are not budging. All the fans are up in they're uproar about, you know, can, he's the captain. And yet, they won't give him an extension. All he wants is another year. He wants two-year contract, not the one that they're offering. And the Broncos and the Cowboys, they are so keen they will offer him at least two- or three-year contract. It looks as though, sadly, that Adam Reynolds will leave at the end of this season. It's sad. A great player. Yeah, he is a great player. and It is, it is sad. You're absolutely right. Oh, listen, always great to catch up with you with the Aussie news because we all we get up here are the reports and we see the matches. Thanks for that. Um, almost time to depart. Before we do, let's say happy birthday to a grand old man of rugby league, the great Lewis Jones. You know Lewis really well, don't you? And uh, he's turned 90 this week. So happy birthday to him, eh? Oh, tremendous man. Tremendous man. I, I can remember when he came out to Australia. He didn't play with any of the major clubs. He played in a lesser division and he was just a hero. Absolute hero, this man. And what a player. Probably one of the best sidesteppers I've ever seen. A gifted man. And if you ever have the opportunity or had the opportunity to be in his company, what a delight. Indeed. Indeed. I played a few golf days with him and he's still playing golf, I understand, at 90 years of age. Yeah, well, um, let's hope that you are uh, when you get to 90, Eddie. But uh, all I can say is after seeing your tee shot, <laughs> oh, oh you're, a, you're a long way to go. Are you still off 28? No, I'll, no. There's a new. Uh, listen, I'm not going to go into the whys and work, but there's a new. <laughs> there's a new, a new world handicapping system which I can't fathom. I can't understand. Uh, but I get plenty of shots, but don't do much with them. Let's put it. Let's put it like that. Let's put it like that. <laughs> I've never. I've never. I've never once claimed to be a great golfer, unlike yourself. Oh, before you go, Eddie, 
just to make you make you all happy in the UK, last night was the coldest April night for over 40 years. It was down to three degrees. Oh, three degrees. Three I had degrees. to put on my woolly jammers. Woolly oh. jammers and socks to go to oh. bed. Can't, can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Good talking to you, Steve-O. Go and get warm by the fire. See you next week. Ta-da, mate.